Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. There's no John Ritchie today as he's still recovering from the Transfer Committee podcast last week and requested time off. So that means you've got to put up with me taking his place this week. Tonight, we want to look at the best and worst transfers or transfer windows involving Liverpool FC, from failed signings to cheap bargains. We'll take a walk down a sometimes painful memory lane. We're joined by AI podcast veterans Jan gorski Messier and Brian Durand, and a warm welcome to special guest, the football editor of The Times, Tony Evans. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. All right. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. The transfer window, then. It's the event that happens to cause mayhem everywhere you look. Grown men looking at Twitter instead of working. Jim White on speed. More supposed <laughs> medicals than hot dinners. It's fucking chaos. At 10.30pm every day, fans log on to see the latest stories, rumours and more. Mikatarian landed at John Lennon Airport more times than actual flights have bloody arrived. And all this, all this has come about because of the advent of the summer and winter transfer windows, which came into effect in the 2002-03 season. So, Tony, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts on the pandemonium that is the off-season, the transfer window? What are your preferences, old school, or the glorified event that it has become now? Oh, I hate it. It's like one of the worst things that happens in football. And, you know, it's become obsessive. People, all they want to talk to you about is who's coming. And, you know, it's like, well, frankly, most of us don't know. And, you know, then only the people inside the club know. And the other thing is, it's, it's, it's become such, such a, a sort of, again, I say obsession, that people, like, demand information all the time. And then if, if something doesn't happen, they go mad and said, you say it was good, said it was going to happen. The reality is, things change. You know, you, you go from moment to moment. For example, I would bet big money that Adam Lallana comes to Anfield. He wants to come. His agent wants him to come. Liverpool want him. Southampton haggling over the price. But, like, so I'm pretty confident about it at this stage. If it goes wrong, every lunatic on Twitter will be bombarding me on, you said it, you made it all up, you're a liar. Oh. <laughs> and, 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 and the thing is, one of the things that I, 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 I refer to my job as being lied to for a living. You know, <laughs> people in football lie to you all the time. And there's all manner of agendas going on. And you've got to, like, try and cut, cut the wheat from the, the, the shaft sort of thing. And Tony Barrett's very good at it for us. So, you know, we're always pretty good in Liverpool. But the transfer window just brings out every liar in football, every agent, every, every dubious agent who wants to insert himself into a deal. It's mad. It's stupid. And it actually is negative for football because it, it, it lets the, the Wild West financial situation get even worse. I mean, does anyone actually enjoy it I, I i find myself switching off and, and moving away from it and i think when i was younger I, I like everybody else used to get too involved and you know start thinking and, and, and dreaming about things and now i kind of just want things to happen on their own and, i mean brian your your thoughts on the window as it is now and what what was it like before when it was there, there was no window it was just open and we'd get surprised wouldn't we well yeah you know obviously there was there was an um a transfer deadline which was middle of March generally just so you couldn't go and buy the you know buy the best player the week before the end of the season I think it was usually about the 20th of March was the, the cut off date but even then there was there was never any mad rush you know it, it wasn't even though you had, you had a date where you, the curtain fell on the signatures there was no Jim White mad rush in them days there'd be the odd deal or two well you know it was just we, we didn't know any better then Nowadays, as you say, we've got the transfer window. I, I tend not to get 
you, you try not to get involved in all these in the nose and these rumours because you, you, you need a bloody Melwood would have to take over the whole of the north end of Liverpool to accommodate all the players we're, we're going to sign but <laughs> you can't help yourself sometimes when you when a name gets bandied you, you, you try and ignore it but when a name that gets bandied around that excites you you can't help yourself but get sort of emotionally involved in, in what needs to happen it's, it's wishful thinking and you, you go along with it you know when you, you start checking like I quite fancy this Shaqiri fella you know if that if that was to come off I can't see Lalana and Shaqiri coming in so I don't really know what the true story is there I like Shaqiri so yeah I say it, it's difficult you know you, some people just get too carried away some people just try and make a name for themselves on Twitter trying to, trying to be the first to break ridiculous stories and then one out of ten will come off and they go, well, look at me, I told you so. Well, leave them to it, really. And, Jan, your, your thoughts on, on, on everything? Ah, well, I've been, knowing we were going to be talking about this, I've had quite a few things come, go through my head on this one. First of all, my, my basic position is the same as Tony's. I mean, I think it's a massive pile of bollocks, really, and it, it really does just fuel... The mad speculation and the Wild West finances, lovely phrase that, actually. But I understand why they said they wanted to do it. But at the same time, when you, when you see it, you think, well, how is that actually going to work in practice? And the more, the more you looked at it when it was originally proposed, the idea of two windows, you thought part of the idea was to not give such an advantage to the big clubs to go around and buy what they want, when they want, and who they want, and how, etc. But nothing's changed on that front. All it meant is that they now buy it in two places and the smaller teams have less chance of picking up somebody on the sly. So that, did, that didn't work. And we got these inflated things because, you, you know, inflated prices because you've got the strange days, limitations on how long it is before you can do it. And the agents know this, the selling clubs know this, and therefore the prices get inflated because it's, it's time pressing. No, you've got to get this player signed by this time or they won't qualify to be in that competition. And it's... It's crackers, but that's what they've done. In terms of how I feel about it on other, on other ways, I mean, I've spent a fair bit of time on Twitter trying to talk people down, effectively, off the ledge, because they've been getting a bit mental about, uh, oh, my God, we're signing this list. What do you think about Sanchez? What do, you think? And do you think we'll sign? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Why would I know? I agree with Tony. There's about a handful of people, if that, who actually know who we're going to be signing. And even those who know who we're going to be signing can't be sure we're actually going to sign them. Do, do you know what's worse, Jan? Like, they all get excited about players. Like, for example, there was a couple of years ago, the Matter thing. Everyone, Ooh. the whole Liverpool fan base wanted Matter. You know what? I, I would say, if Arthur Dustin had seen him live, then yes. I'd bear me Jaxi. So everyone gets excited about players. Everyone gets excited about players they haven't seen. Mkhitaryan, we must sign him! Who's seen him? How do you know what he's exactly. like? Exactly. Do you know what he's like? Do you, what does he do when the ball's up the other end? And like, and they're, they're, everyone thinks they're an expert because they've watched YouTube or they've watched, you know, um, one of these mad channels, Eurosport, in the middle of the night and or seen highlights. FIFA 2014 or something. Yeah, well, exactly. All yeah. That, yeah. No, it's, the funny thing is, Tell on this one, as um, this is what got me thinking. I was uh, the other day when uh, Gags told me, you know, we we want to talk about this. Was um, I thought. What about those ones that nobody, well, all right, you, me, and Brian might, but nobody else tends to remember who tend from sort of people going, oh, Christ almighty, why do, what were you doing, into some of the biggest successes we have. I could think of three in particular. I remember my dad moaning in 1966-67 when we bought a player for 60,000 quid 
from Blackpool. Really? My dad said, yeah. <laughs> my dad said, what the fuck are we buying? If, if you're going to buy a player from Blackpool, buy Alan fucking Ball, for Christ's sake. Who's this guy? And that was Emily Hughes. Now, as I recall, yeah. he didn't do too badly. Next one on, I could remember in that kind of line, was somebody saying in oh, about 1970, I think it was, one of my mates saying, why are we buying this fucking Welsh beanpole? What yeah. the fuck has he done? From Cardiff. Who comes from Cardiff? This was John Toshak. And probably the tastiest one of the lot, 1977. And this was a, a, this one I remember perfectly well. It was in the Carter's Arms pub in Kirby. Me and my mate sitting there, me and my mate Paul, we're sitting there. I think we'd just played a gig somewhere. And uh, we're sitting there on our return, having a swift one. And one of his dad's mates comes in. He said, have you heard about this? Heard about what? No, Liverpool have signed a new player. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, 440,000 for some Scottish twat. So, to replace Keegan. To replace <laughs> Keegan. No one's going to replace Keegan. We're fucking finished, I tell you. <laughs> now, as I recall, that one worked out quite well as well. So, this is it. I mean, everybody has an opinion. And to use that old Americanism, uh, <laughs> opinions are like, uh, are like hemorrhoids. Sooner or later, every arsehole has one. <laughs> so that that you you led on really well to basically your opinion on maybe you've given a few surprises there where where everybody thought they wouldn't be very good and the players turned out to be and legends. They were only legends. The three I could remember. Wow, off the top of my head. Exactly. There are there are others. I I recall Ray Kennedy was another one. People say, well, you yeah. know, Arsenal don't want him. Why do we want him? Yeah. And what, it just goes on and on. You know, and more recently, Jordan Henderson. Yes, a bit more costly though than those, I think. Yeah, a bit more costly. But, but you know, if you if you fix it for inflation, probably not. <laughs> yeah, Ray Kennedy was a couple of hundred grand, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> going rate, going rate at that time, like. Yeah, and, and then the, the, the other ones you go back to even you know, so when you know when I was a kid, you know, it's uh, the excitement of getting Tony Eightley. He's a yeah. man out, oh, even though he scored. Uh, you know, Alan Evans. Oh, you know, oh, the, he, he, he'll make the him. difference. Yeah, well, everyone everyone thought he was going to be like a, a superhero. And, you know, and he, he turns out to be a bust, you know what I mean? It, it, it's littered with them. The, the, the problem is everyone thinks they're football experts. And there's a handful of people who are actually football experts. That's why they're working in football. And we're talking, you know, talking about it in A-Lars's. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> this is the thing is, I mean, we've done it enough, chewed the fat over football uh I got heated doing it about footy and pubs and about Liverpool in particular. But the thing is, when you're face-to-face with someone, as opposed to, say, on Twitter or in the, in the press or whatever, you, you, can, you can end up by saying, well, you know, that's just my best guess, or I don't know, or, you know, uh, it would be nice, but that gets missing when the same conversations happen online or, or in the press. And you, you can read some guys in the press, I think, yeah, he's put that over quite well. Uh, and then you read others, you think, Oh dear! <laughs> I've, I've, I've got. What the, were you thinking? What from my from my point of view? I think more more recent. The player that I was most excited about joining the club, and then it didn't pan out. Was Harry Kuehl? I mean, the big fanfare before he joined, and how awesome he was at Leeds. And then he had this this little thing where he was gonna he, he was gonna announce who he, who he's joining yes, on, on Sky. And basically, before that, there was I think it got leaked on the on the forums that we were on. I can't remember which ones, but it got leaked about two days before that he was joining Liverpool and he decided. And I, I remember going over to some of my mates who, who were Man United fans and stuff like, "You do know Kuehl's coming to Liverpool?" He's like, "Shut up! He's not gonna go. He's gonna go to Arsenal." I was like. 
listen to me, he's joining Liverpool, seriously, you know, acting all ITK, mm. you know, hilarious. <laughs> and it's so funny that when he announced it, he joins, and I, I go back to the United fan, and he's like, how the fuck did you know that? <laughs> Obviously, he wasn't IT literate at all, that guy, so I kind of <laughs> had him in my pocket, but um, he had the last laugh for the next few years anyway. But about Kuhl, how it didn't pan out, if you look at that, that guy, for example, first season, 11 goals, over 49 games, ended up playing 160-odd games in five years, so you look how many games he played in the first season, only ended up scoring 16 goals for Liverpool, scored the first 11 in the first year, five years later, and the guy actually even started at Istanbul does anybody even remember Q in Istanbul he yeah, started the bloody game yeah, he, started the, <laughs> he started the fucking game I mean it's just I'll weird. tell you what I, I remember when the team was announced oh, and everyone around me just went taking the piss Q what's Rafa thinking and that's it. And I was like, I was screwed. We're beaten. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Tony, was it? There was, Tony, there were rumours at the time that he had some kind of clause or something in his contract. Was that all bullshit? Yeah. That, that you know, he, was, he had to start the big finals and shit like that. And I was yeah, there. And I, when it came fact, on the screen. 99.9% yeah. times when somebody talks about a clause in a contract. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bullshit. Forward. It's bullshit. Because <laughs> most, most of the contracts you'll ever see are almost identical. No, they're, they're one after the other. They're pretty much the same. They can say, occasionally, if you've got somebody seriously big on your books, they might have a type of clause or a release clause. Or, But even then, it's not common in British football. Well, it's well, not been our culture. Well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons with the, the Arsenal-Suarez thing last yeah. season. There was a clause in that contract. I can say that categorically. And um, yeah, but but the thing is, uh, essentially, John Emery said to Herr Guardiola, you, you know, Suarez's agent, go on, you get your lawyers and I'll get mine. And no one exactly. knows what the legality of these clauses is. And someone has to take it to court to test they it. They have to test it, um, yeah. And, and, and what a mess that could be. So, mm. you know, I mean, um, I think JWH sort of like uh, played the, the gunfighter, faced them down and um, and told them to, you know, <laughs> well, essentially, you know, go and get your brief, lad. Well, I think, I think <laughs> the other thing is that I, I suspect JWH knew he had the basics of law on his side on that because it was supposed to be a confidential contract. So how the fuck did Arsenal know about it? And they knew about it almost certainly because Per Guardiola told them, which basically makes that clause pretty much invalid. So I, I also think there's an element of, you know, he does like playing the tough guy and he's coming oh, yeah. to the mad oh, world does. of football. <laughs> and, and you know what? He, you know, he's, he's been pretty tough in baseball as well. And, oh, yeah. um, and, and you know, and, uh, and he gets a chance, like, you know, uh, a little skinny fellow like him to play the herb man. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not just that. I mean, he took a little while to get his feet under the table. But once he got the balance of it, and people don't give him, John Henry, this is, enough credit for... Basically, understanding how the thing works, I mean, the thing, the football, the, the bigger picture, but also understanding rather more about football than he does because he learned quickly. And most of the boys from, that, from FSG have learned quickly. And that's why things are turning around as much as anything else. It's because they're all singing from the bloody same song sheet. Whereas with Hicks and Gillette, I mean, you'll remember this one, Tony, when Rafa went to see him and said, how much can I have for transfers? Because this is when we're still talking kitty-type approach to transfers. And Gillette told him, well, you can have 50 million and whatever we get from the draft. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rafa just stood there with his eyes and said, how do I cope with something like this? What, how do I deal with this? 
Yeah, Rafa nearly had a nervous breakdown, didn't he? Well, poor bastard, yeah. <laughs> While you're talking about um, owners and JWH, I mean, JWH probably oversaw possibly, arguably the worst transfer in Liverpool history with the Andy Carroll deal. So, uh, Brian, have you got... Let's ignore Andy Carroll's deal for now because I think it's been covered on podcast to death. Any other transfer deals that Liverpool did or any transfer windows that you thought were absolute stinkers, mate? Stinkers. Yep, stinkers. I'm rubbing my hands here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be honest, we didn't do too bad. You know, we had a few in the 60s with Jack Whittam supposed to be replacing Roger Hunt and co. But generally, through the, the 60s, 70s, 80s, we weren't too bad. I think it was like 1990 when we started signing Jimmy Carter and Isvan Cosme, you know, bloody picnic. Picnic. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think, to be honest, there's like a, there's probably a short list here. Mm. Paul Stewart, Julian Dix, oh, and Neil Ruddock. Oh, dear. When they all arrived, more or less at the same time, that was a big downturn for the Football Club. You know, Ruddock, you could say he had, you know, he played a load of games. You could probably give me all the stats again, but come on. We're talking about Liverpool football club here. We, we we brought in Paul Stewart, Julian Dix, Neil Ruddock. Then we got Cavani and Sean, late, later in the 90s, Sean Dundee and John Michel Ferry. What was that about? But I think I think the biggest, biggest stinker of the law has to be when we decided that we didn't want to keep Nicholas and Elke and we went and blew 20 million quid when we were on the brink of having a good team here as well. Things were things were happening there, and then we went and blew it on Sheiru, Diouf, and Diaw. Ah, oh, you nicked my one. That was the one. So Diouf was that, the one. That has got to be the worst decision transfer-wise ever. I agree. And then 2010, obviously Hodgson. Lest we say about that with <laughs> Jovanovic, Joe Cole, Poulsen, Kinchesky. Oh you know, shit! That, that, that's that's a no-brainer. But yeah, I, th- I think you know. And then you've got obviously there's others, there's Aquilani and Robbie Keane. Foreign, but but yeah, I think that that twenty million in two thousand and two that that was just that put us back five years. Ouch! Ouch! And Jan, before we go to Tony, your your thoughts on biggest stinkers or are they similar? I'd temper it slightly. Some of them are only bigger stinkers with hindsight, and it, now hindsight's a wonderful thing. And um, looking at that twenty million, Jed did say a few stupid things at the time, like um, Sheru was a, a sort of new version of Zidane and whatever. The thing is. It's common myth amongst most people that we bought Diouf and Diaw after their showing at the World Cup. We didn't. We bought them before the World Cup. Yeah. And if anything, yeah, during did. the World Cup, it looked like we got a fucking bargain. It's easy, again, in hindsight, to forget the good games, which they both did have in the early part of their stay, until it all went a bit, you know, to bits, to, uh, to put, use the polite version. But that was, that's full use of hindsight. At the time, when we got them, it looked like a good deal. When they started playing and just scored... Quite, quite a few to start with, it looked like a good deal. However, in hindsight, it looks like a real stinker, which in, uh, in the end, of course, is what it was. The Sunes era, I think, was worse because... Now, he's somebody who set us back... Uh, I, I like Graham Sunes in many ways, but he's somebody who set us back 20 years, never mind five, by bringing in players who were never, in any shape or form, our standard to begin with, to anybody with eyes. David Speedy, nice guy, but no, oh, let's be fair. Kenny, that was Kenny. Oh, oh yeah, so that was a Kenny. Yeah, and, 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 and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, in consecutive weeks, he scored against the Manx and Everton. He I'm did, having yeah, David yeah. Speedy. I'm having him. He's one of our yeah. greats. That's he lives my dream. 
Yeah, it was, it was only when Kenny resigned a month later. Where, that, where, where he... does that put our legendary Italian left back then? <laughs> yeah, again, he's up there. Pickpocketing them both on me wall. But, uh, I mean, there were, the thing is, there were, and, uh, and some of them are hindsight, some of them get lost in the mists of time slightly. Stinkers, going back as far as Shanks, I mean, one of my favourite pet eights, you've probably heard me go on about before, was Peter Wall, who was one of the most awful players I ever saw. <laughs> if you're listening, Peter, sorry. <laughs> I used to go drinking with him when I lived in California. There you go. <laughs> but he was I, he was a terrible yeah, player. Pissed up me. the wall. <laughs> but, I mean, Tony mentioned earlier Alan Evans. Now, as I remember it, and you guys feel free to counter me if you, if you disagree. As I remember it, he played brilliantly for us, and it all went tits up after he got glassed in the pub. Got glassed, yeah. After yeah, that, he on, never on his, found his confidence, his, his form, his fear, he went to bits. His first two games after he arrived, we beat Leicester 4-0. We were like 4-0 up after 13 minutes. Yep. And then the following week, mm-hmm. we went to Wolves and won 6-0. We yeah, thought, yeah. Oh, this And of course, the, the, the hat-trick against Bayern, we spoke yeah. about a few weeks ago. But the, another one, Tony Hately. Now, Tony Hately came in, scored quite a few goals for us. But what Shanks had decided was the team was getting a bit old and rusty and he wanted to shape the, change the shape of the team and the way it played. And he couldn't do that with Hately there. So Hately had to go. Ailey was selfish. Ailey yes. only for himself. And yeah. he, he got like 29 goals, didn't he, in the season? He and did, then, yeah. But, but like the rest of them got, you know, dried up. So Ailey was a kind of like an airborne Gary Lineker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and as, as for an Elka, ah, well, I think we've seen more of why we turned him down since he left than when he was here, which is uh, basically he's trouble. And his brother, who was managing him, was even more trouble. And we found out that while we were supposedly um, trying to honour a deal to keep him here, his brother was touting him about all over Europe and telling Nicholas not to sign anything. So when we, we found that out, we said, well, you know, I'm sorry, we're not going to be strung along. Goodbye. So we were forced to let him go in a way because they were acting in such a disreputable manner. Who we bought as a result? Well, that's open to history. But the, the, there's been some great ones and some... Awful ones. And I, I mean, what, the, one, the ones that always get me, like, like I was saying earlier, the ones that nobody rated when they came in. I mean, the same, same things about um, Alan Kennedy. No, uh, even Bob Paisley in what, one of the first training sessions or whatever, wasn't it? What does he said there? I think they shot the wrong Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, after the QPR game is deep yeah. but I don't have time in the QPR but I, I mean you know the thing is I, I also remember I remember going to see the reserves just yeah. after the time rush and everyone going they paid 300 grand for this kid <laughs> yeah you know um, it's like you know no one could believe Jockey. it yeah, yeah well exactly. he didn't like him at all he said this boy this boy will never make a footballer yeah. Yeah, well, he was, a, he, he was a crap trainer. And the thing is, the one thing they all hated, uh, Mel, was, was people who didn't put any effort in. And yeah. if you didn't put any effort in and you were scoring goals in, in the league, that was fine. But when you weren't scoring goals, you know, they, they, they yeah. weren't having you at all. And so, but, right. I mean, if, if, if I can just go back to Joe Cole, he brings me to one of my favourite people in the world, Christian Pearslow. Oh, no. <laughs> Christian, Christian Pearslow texted the journalist of my acquaintance when Cole scored the back heel, you know, against United when Chelsea won the league that year. 
just yeah. before he signed for us and said, oh, don't you think he'd be, look, he'd be great in a Liverpool shirt? And uh, the journalist, who's quite a bright young man, texted back and said, no. So with that, with that, with, with that, with that Liverpool signed him and paid him £140,000 a week. Like I was saying, everyone thinks they know about football. Some, yeah. some, people, some people just don't know their ass from their elbow. Yeah, I think we can throw, uh, as we're mentioning Christian Perslow, we can throw the Robbie Keane saga into that one as well. Yeah, but, um, well, that, well, that was a mess. But you know, it was the most yeah. disappointing signing, probably in in the whole of the like the history of the club for me was Collie Moore. You know, he, I I thought when he come, you know, I thought he was a beast. Um, actually, it's probably a bad phrase to use and given his adventures. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's um, but you know, I, it, he just looked as if he had everything, and uh, and he come to the club and he he was so disappointing. And, I think he you know, let himself down there, Tony, more than anything. He let that he had the ability to be one of the best, I reckon, English strikers ever if he if he had applied himself properly. But he just his head, I don't think, was in the right place ever. Ever. Yeah. He, never moved, he never moved up, did he? He was driving up every day. No, it was but his head was of. never in the right place because he had the ability for sure. For sure, that guy was such a good player. But just never, I don't know. Uh, you guys will probably know more than me what was going on behind the scenes, you know. Uh, it's I just, more, more a question with oh, the column of what was going on inside his head, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think like the, the, the bigger point for me, you know, everyone certainly you know, talks about you know, Jimmy Curtis and Sean's on these and goes, you know, and I see people coming up with lists of like the worst Liverpool players ever. And I think that's unfair. You know, the one thing you can say about Jimmy Curtis, he might have been rubbish, but he tried. The one thing you can say about Sean Dunsey, you know, he wasn't great. You know, he, um, you know, he didn't look anywhere near the level, but he put everything into it. I don't think they're bad. As long as someone just pulls the tripe out for that live bird, you know what? I, I'm I'm happy with them. Even yeah, I agree. It's, it's the ones with the talents um, who who waste it that that disappoint me, or the ones yeah. who have the the characteristics that Shankly would have looked at, like uh, you, you, like Rodrick Shankly would have looked at him and went, "He's coming nowhere near my club." You know, yeah. he, he's, he's dangerous. You know, one of them in the dressing room, he's, he he'll kill morale. He'll lead the young lads the wrong way. Yeah, he's horrible, and it's they're the ones I really dislike. So I always kind of like feel a bit sorry for the you know for, for the you know the cosmos of this world. You know, it's um, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, um throw the kipper. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to get them and give them a cuddle. <laughs> I probably probably put that the wrong way, didn't I? I, 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 I want to give them a manly handshake and say, you know, I was a, I appreciate the work you did for our club. The, the thing is, as well with these guys, the ones we mentioned, the Cosmas, the, the Kippers, and God knows what, most of them, we, we didn't really pay anything for them in real terms. There were, yeah. were chances. I mean, they were brought in as, they weren't brought in as uh, big name starters. They were brought in as somebody who hopefully will fit into the squad, we can bring them along, and they can do a job for us. To use that, that old phrase of uh, Fagan's, they could do a job for us. And if they did, great. I mean, one one that did, who cost nothing, came in, did a great job for us for a little while, was Avi Cohen. And then there were others who did that. People who came in, actually, for not very much money and did a job for us and actually did a before, spectacular before good we, job. Before we do do that, though, let's just finish off on the on the stinkers. And I, and, 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 <laughs> and I just, yeah, because you're changing the subject, just quickly before you do that, I, I'm going to do a bit more recent time again. 
and it's it's a painful one. It's that it's that summer window with Kenny Dalglish and the and the and the Downings and the Adams coming in. Oh, sorry, Adam, Adam, not Adams. Charlie Adam coming in. I thought I don't know. He's big enough for two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I personally thought they were for the how much we spent that window, and then obviously there was the Henderson signing in that window. Also, that's gone on, and you know, in hindsight, it's great. At the time, we spent so much, and we'd just come off of spending uh, on Carol and uh, Suarez, hadn't we? But we'd we'd got the influx of 50 million on Torres so I thought that was that was a bit of a poor one but my, my, I, I like to agree with Brian on this and I thought doof that that window we we come second to the in, Invincibles I think the year before that mm-hmm. when we bought them and I thought that that chance we had some money to spend and we went that way and went and spent it on um, on Doof Diao and Sheru I thought Ugh, that was that was awful. And, and that guy. Do you, do you know, you know what was the worst thing about that? Is we come second and we spent all that money on them. And I remember, like, in fact, I remember subbing in work uh, Julier's preseason press conference. And he said, you know what? He said, all the boys, all, all you know, all the local boys want to win the league. He goes, probably want to win the Champions League. And you know what? I just thought to myself, disaster is looming over the horizon. <laughs> you know, yeah. hubris in extreme. You know, it's like yeah. an um, and and yeah, and and, and Julio had lost the plot. Yeah, the treble, the treble probably did that to well, him. Well, he, he was he was never all. never the same after you know his health scare. Yeah, wherever he's been, really, and. I don't. I don't know what to think about that. In some ways, I, I think, think it's. I think did. it's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate that that happened. You know, he was doing. I think he came back too quickly for a kickoff. I understand why he did it. I understand why he felt he needed to do it, and I understand why the club thought if he wants to, we'll back him. But I still think it was too quick. Also, Jan, don't you think spending that amount of money that summer, it's kind of like you can't come back from that. You can't recover from it. Like you you, I think, I think right. one of you have already said it. Took, it put us back five years. I think it was Brian said yeah. that put us back five years. If how you, can how can spend... the manager recover from that? And he and that's what the problem was. He probably gave himself a heart attack from buying those players. To be honest, you know, if, just, if, he, just, if, he probably if, thought, oh um, shit. But the thing is, guys, if you spend what was considered them a, a, um, a reasonable amount of money, yeah. not as much as United were throwing out, throwing out twenty nine million on Rio Ferdinand. I know, but we were different. But we were you can't yeah, compare. financially. We were in a different league. That was true. But if you if you do that, then out of the three, one of them has really got to work. If one of them's really got to, it really does work. The other two will more or less be forgotten. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, all three went down the toilet, rather. Of which, the one I felt most sorry for was Sheru. Because he was actually a very good footballer. He just wasn't suited to how we played, or necessarily our league. But he's done well wherever else he's gone. He did, he did have a little, little fit of scoring important did, yeah. goals for us. One week when he scored against yeah. Newcastle and Chelsea, yeah. And he scored against Wolves as well, I remember. Cracking goal against them. But the one, the one he scored against Chelsea, I mean... Uh, that often turns up on people's favourite goals reels, you know, so that, so that was a goodie. But, I, no, I felt a bit sorry for him. I think also, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong on this one, but I always got the feeling he was a little bit fragile in terms of his mental attitude. Too, too easily bullied and too, you know, uh, imposed upon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about the stinkers. What about the ones that were awesome? So, so Brian, your your favourite signings at Liverpool and the best business we've done. Well, I think historically, you know, you, you go back historically, you've got you've got to start right back at the beginning with Shankly and probably Ian St John transformed. He, he, he had his eye on Ian St John from when he seen him at Uddersfield, 
and he he, he he was his number one target. As soon as he found out he was available, he drove up there himself to Motherwell and basically told St. John he was signing for Liverpool. So I, th- I think that was a, a major signing because that, that launched his base. Right. Right. Well, oh, well, oh. Well, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Um, wasn't he the number two target? Wasn't Dennis Law the first? Oh, Dennis Law, yeah, Dennis and, Law. And, yeah. and and he wanted to pair them two up. Could you imagine yeah. them two? Up? Oh <laughs> my word! That's right. Yeah, it would have been fantastic. Yeah, even one that got away, like Lou McCarty was another one later in the eighty years, wasn't he? I took this one, Lou. But then I think Saint Saint obviously Emlyn we've already talked about in the in in the mid sixties. And then you've got Clements and Keegan, fantastic signings, you know, because whatever you say about Kevin Keegan, he was the standout football superstar in Britain, in, in England, throughout the 70s, you know. So, mm. you know, that was a fantastic signing for 40,000 quid or whatever it is. 38,000, I remember that one. Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when he famously sat him on Spent the Lincoln yeah. dustbin, you know. <laughs> you, you've got, you've got fantastic... Dalgleish, Anson Sooners arriving in 77, 78, fantastic. I think, but again, the standout one from, from me is that Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, Houghton collection of players. That was, awesome. players that was, in. That was the eight. best summer. We, yeah. we, this is, that's the type of summer we need right now. That yeah, is the well, summer we need. They come along summer. about it. They you seem know. to come along about every 10 years where we, 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 we really hit the nail on the head I think that that was absolutely you know I don't think anyone could argue with that one that is no. the best late, late 90s we got Deep Man and Man and Sammy Upier in Vladimir and, and, and that was a good win they got a few bums in there as well but you know Vladimir Smita Babel and Esky they all arrived at a similar time yeah. I think Gary Mack coming that was good Torres was a fantastic signing for us you know I know we say what you like about him, but no that he was, was awesome. fantastic signing awesome. that, that was a very to me you know Torres well, Battle. Torrance was a great just, example of the right player at the right time. Correct, yeah, yeah, gelling into the team. So we've had, you know, we've had some some successful ones over the years. They seem to come in cycles. You, you'd like to do it every year, but that eighty-seven <laughs> one stands out to me. Ninety-nine again, and and the Torres Mascarano sort of year. Nice one. You know, the, the yeah. sad thing is, Dalglish shall be remembered for Andy Carroll in his yeah. transfer business, not for right. not for creating a revolutionary team that was as good as any in the history of the game over here. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed with that. Yes. Agreed. Well, yeah, this last season has just gone. That was that was the nearest we'd come actually to to playing in that sort of exciting style of football since then. And what we saw now, twenty. In fact, it was twenty-seven years ago today that John Barnes signed for us, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's quite after. I've seen that on Twitter today. So you know, it's quite after really that we're talking about that. But twenty-seven years, a long time. You know, we, you you like to think. So it's a big gamble for managers. There is a lot of stress on them because you get you get yourself on the, the threshold of, of of being there, and the pressure's on. You've got to go and spend a whole kitty load of money, and you've got to get it right. So. You know, I don't envy them. Everybody's an expert, as you said before. They all follow FIFA. All the kids of today seem to know <laughs> everything. Tony's quite right. We've never seen them bloody play. You know, I, I don't know half the names until they come up. I, I'm not one for going up on YouTube because I've learned my lesson on that. Everyone looks a great Peter on there. Yeah, that's the first so, thing. That's the first thing anyone does, Brian, is once they've yeah. heard this player that they've never heard of, go and look yeah. at YouTube. I mean, uh, Emre Jean, for example, we've just signed him. I've never watched him play live. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Never, ever. And I've owned, and all I can go on is YouTube clips, but there's no point in me having an opinion on it because it's not going to be what he's going to be like when he gets to Liverpool football clubs and, and plays in our, in our system, in Rogers' system. I'm sure, though, 
I do have confidence in in the committee, so I'm sure he'll be a, a very good player. But well, well yeah. look, luckily, I have seen him play a few times, and I think he's the real deal. He, very he's, good. He's he's. I'm trying to think who. To, I hate doing comparisons, but when you haven't seen someone play, it's the best thing you've got. There's elements of Sooners about his game in terms of his toughness. Wow. And there's elements of Gerard in terms of the way he will just pick up a ball and run at a defence and usually beat them too. He's, and he's also got that Gerard thing of he can shoot from 40 yards. Well, someone mentioned Barkley to me. Someone said he's, he's got a bit no, of... No, no? I, no, I wouldn't say Barkley. No, Barkley is the definitive forward. But if Barkley has an issue for me, and I think it showed up in some of his England performances lately, if he gets his head down, he doesn't look up. Barkley's like a rich man's Milan Barros at times. You know, he just sort of head down charge. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sean is a little more aware. He knows where his teammates are and he can he can play a ball. Now, he's only a kid still. Oh, God, uh, yes. And I think that bit... And he, he's also built like the proverbial brick one. So I think it, it bears well. I think he's a smart piece of business and I was really chuffed we got him. I've seen him play about a dozen times, including in the European Cup this year. So uh, you guys have seen him play. You might not have realised it. Yes. Yeah, the, 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 the club are really excited about him. And um, it, it's, I've spoken to you know a couple of uh, scouts and agents about him and they all say very broadly similar thing. He's not quick, but he doesn't need to be. He's um, He knows how to use space. He can play three or four positions and he he can get up and down um, and you know they say like he's uh, he's got great potential because if, if he's got the, the awareness of positions and space that he's got at this age you know he's only going to throw into it so so yeah I, I, I think the club are really excited and if they um, if they find the right role for him I mean my my worry would be with well, my worry is always with this oh he can play a load of positions is that you never get them settled and you know you shift them around yeah I mean, we should we should be talking about Steve Nicholas, the greatest right back ever to play the game of football. But you know, he plays in every position, and yeah. you know, people people don't. I mean, I was at the football writers dinner, and someone looked up and said, "Steve Nichol won the footballer of the year. How could that happen?" And I nearly dived across the table. Oh my god, <laughs> Steve, Steve Nichol was awesome, awesome, wasn't he in his prime? That one yeah. season where he just went mental, scoring all those goals. Yeah. <laughs> but Tony, totally, did he get a hat trick against New, Newcastle? Newcastle, Newcastle, and one, yeah. one disallowed, and one was yeah, a chip. Yeah. One was a gorgeous chip. <laughs> Yeah, the best the one was disallowed. The best yeah. one was disallowed. Oh dear! You know what, Tony? I wanted to ask you. I, I thought your favourite signing, and I have a feeling that it might be, you know, someone like Johnny Walk from nineteen eighty three, eighty four. Maybe no, no, no. <laughs> cheap, cheap I, I, plug, cheap yeah, plug I, I, moment. I, I, I'll, 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 avoid, I'll avoid the plug from me book here. But I'll say in what terms of value, that, in, in, in terms of value for money, uh, Kenneth Matheson's Alglish. You know, um, you know the, 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 the classic line Paisley said to Peter Robinson after he signed them, "Let's get out of here before they realise what we've done." Now he does figure a lot in my new book called "I Don't Know Where It Is for a Lover: The Story of the 1983-84 Season." Um, Everybody, no, get on that book. Get on that book. But, 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 but actually, that's available in all good bookshops. In, 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 in the book, actually, it's it, 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 it's a great great example of Liverpool signings, and sometimes when they didn't pan out, and sometimes when they did. Eddie, that, that year, they were desperate for striking support because you know Rush Rush was flying, but Dalglish was you know coming up on thirty three, so they signed in the preseason. Michael Robinson, who, who worked, uh, but really wasn't of the class. 
required, you know, sort of to play for Liverpool. And he also was a boyhood Liverpool fan and felt the weight of the shares on him and struggled a bit. Um, hopefully, there'll be no parallels to another boyhood Liverpool fan mm-hmm. signs, uh, big striker signs from a South Coast club because Michael Robinson come from Brighton. But then there was a stroke of genius towards the end of the season. You know, as Brian said before, quite rightly, the, the, the March cut-off date, late, mid, mid to late March. You know, um, Fagan went to the market and signed John Moore, who, who just said, you know, and he's one of those players who'll always get overlooked. And Liverpool fans will often at that era look back and go, John Moore, why did he sign him? The man was a master of the late run. And he yeah, just, goals. Mate, his just goals, killed. his goals record, 70 league games, 28 goals. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and, and he just gave, for this one season. Yeah, he just gave us the boost in that season to get us over the line in the league. And, you know, and, and that's what they were so clever about traditionally. They, they bought judiciously and they bought sorts of players that people said, what? You know, uh, so the, the, a year later, Kevin MacDonald. That's who I was know, thinking uh, of, yeah. Around the same time, Nigel Spackman. You know, and these are fellas who will not be go down in Liverpool history, you know, at all, but come in and did a great job for us and, and got us over rumps that perhaps, like, we might not go over without their input. And, and that was the greatness of the, the, the sort of the boot room ethic, which, you know, you know sort of, even though, um, even, even though Dalglish changed the scouting system, the boot room ethic ran all the way through. And, you know, it was, it, was, it was buying the right person at the right time to have an impact on the team. Yeah, spot on. Only Rosenthal. <laughs> I liked him. <laughs> no, he, well, he thought he won us the league, didn't he? That year he came in. He scored a hat full of goals for yeah. us. In the last an incredibly games. awkward player, but God, he had power in but, him. But, you know, the problem is, whenever you see his name, you think Villa Park, yeah, the old yeah. ends. Only one thing, yeah. You know, and, and that's, you, know, you know, the funny thing with that, though, is that we've had players bigger than him who've missed worse sitters than that. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, we oh, have. I've seen worse misses than that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I remember being at school, uh, right, at that, that, <laughs> that time, and that Ronnie Rosenthal miss haunts us. <laughs> so we, got, we got pissed on for that. I tell you, at school, it was pretty bad. But, yeah, I mean, we, we still talk about the Ronnie Rosenthal miss now. If we, anything we do and we miss something, whether in any form of life or we miss something, oh, you just did a Ronnie? You know, that's what all me and my mates do. That's what, you know, poor chap. He was, <laughs> he was excellent, Does anybody though. remember a player played for Derby County under Brian Clough called Roger, Roger Davis? Davis. I, knew, yeah, I knew somebody would. Yeah. Now, there, there, was, there was the classic. You can hardly ever find it on YouTube anyway, but it was the Chelsea miss. at Stamford Bridge? Yeah, the miss you've met, you, you just wouldn't believe. This was a guy, he got the ball somewhere around the halfway line, and he dribbled beautifully. He, keeper, didn't he? he went round everybody, yeah. went round the whole Chelsea defence, round the keeper, open goal, tapped it, fell over, ball went wide. No! He just stumbled, didn't he? Just yeah, it was, it, it was, was on his left foot and he swung and that was it, he missed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was absolutely <laughs> priceless. It's, it is by far and away. It makes Ronnie Rosenthal's look like, well, you know, could have been a bubble. Oh, Torres. <laughs> Torres is at, at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> no, it wasn't good. It wasn't good because he always wanted them to score against the Manx, whoever he's played for. But, yeah, right, all right. I, could, I took a little bit of pleasure. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can even remember Kenny missing a right one against who was that against oh, Brian at Old Trafford he, 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 he did he did yeah. sky one 
And Stevie did too. That what time we beat them four yeah, one. Four one. He missed it. We had laughed about it. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you remember the two in the three two game at Goodison, the derby when we were three 0 up at half time? Yeah. And, come, yeah. and yeah. Kenny missed two absolutely. Oh, he did. Yeah. Hitters into yeah. the park end. To anybody. Both both of them the same. The ball comes to him, and he like like sort of about a yard and a half from the penalty spot. And um and you know sort of it, it just curled it into the corner. Except it didn't go into the corner. It went to the park end twice. <laughs> uh, and while we're on misses, you got to mention Joe Allen last year, haven't we? Oh no, no, no! He no. <laughs> got some shortly after. Well, that, never mind. We? We're not here to talk about the worst misses of all time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, some of them are fun now. <laughs> I, I mean, my, one of the signings I think has been impressive for us has been more recent time Luis Suarez. Um, I think, Fantastic I think he's. If we're talking you know, about right? if, if we're talking about good <laughs> signings, it started off poorly. But talk about a Jekyll and Hyde, and talk about how you can resurrect yourself and and, and become you know and really show some determination and, and 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 prove people wrong. And that's what he's done. And Going and, and looking, mate. We can't see. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But if he does ever leave, he could he could bring in, you know, a lot a lot of cash for the club. Also, so I mean, that's something that we don't want to happen. But there's rumours of it. I mean, uh, Tony, have you heard anything about this Suarez stuff? I mean, I know we're going off topic. But... They've kept they've kept a lid very tightly on any details of a clause. I would anticipate that there's been talk that. That, that for Real Madrid the clause is as low as seventy million. I wouldn't think so. I would think no. I think it's more than bail money. Uh, yes. what, 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 what I do know is that it's set up so it's prohibitively expensive for him to go to uh, another Premier League club. It will be very very difficult if Real Madrid come in and trigger the clause for him to say no. He, he's a Hispanic player. Real Madrid are one of the great clubs, especially you know in the Spanish-speaking world, and it would be very difficult. But from where I'm led to believe, at the moment he, he's he's happy enough. He's uh, telling people he's going to be there here another year, and um, and long may that continue. No, he, he has. He's, he's given some interviews in Uruguay recently, where in fact one of them he started with the phrase "Here we go again." So it uh, shows you where his mindset is. But no, he, he said he's perfectly happy there. He's just enrolled his daughter in school. He wants to win the Champions League and the Premier League with Liverpool. And that's what his mind's focused on. You can't argue with that. Yeah, he and if, and uh, he, did, he did actually, he rounded it off by saying, and they love me there. Who could ask for more than that? So, you know, I, I don't think he's going anywhere this year. And if, if we do well this season, I don't think he'll be going anywhere else either. No, I think exactly. I, I, Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, I think I think if Real Madrid actually gets serious and make him an offer, then he's got a very, very, very difficult decision. And I wouldn't like to say which way to go, but I, 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 I mean, just as a realist here, I'd say if I was a professional footballer and I'd, I'd dreamt of playing for a club all my life and he come and made an offer, I might well take it. That's, that's... Well, thanks for that, Tom. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> the silence, you can hear a pin drop. Everyone's, oh, everyone's just logged off the podcast now. Right? No, 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 no. But no. look at it this way. It's a lot of money. And you've got to say to yourself, is, is, is Luis Suarez going to work as well in a team with Cristiano Ronaldo? No, he isn't. No, how, how's that going to work out? How's it going to work out with with Bale and Ronaldo flinging themselves forwards? You know, how, how's the setup going to going to go? Um, one of one of the key tenets of of Real Madrid's 
transfer policy is is the market and rights, you know, sort of the, the image, image, image rights. And you know, Ronaldo's their their big massive seller. Uh, they, they they own that the Spanish market with him. It, it, certainly, you wouldn't want to get rid of him at this stage. You know, you wouldn't want, you know, sort of. So, I, you know, the, the big question is, what would they do? Would they come in for Suarez? As I say, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's a fair amount of questions. But I, I, I just think it's hard for any, 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 any Hispanic player to turn down Real Madrid if they come knocking on the door. Thanks, well, at the moment, they're, they're, they're working hard at trying to keep hold of Benzema because he, he wants to sort of be sure of his starting place. So they're working on him at the moment. But, but he, yeah. he, seems, he seems a better fit to play with Ronaldo. Yes, he does. That's the point. The thing that this, this, this is the point that a lot of play, uh, not players, a lot of pundits and Twitter fanatics miss out is where does he fit into that team? And the more you think about it, he doesn't. They'd have to change the structure to make it work. Mm. And they're not going to do that. Also, much much to my enjoyment, they're currently under investigation by the EU Sports Commission and the, the Spanish government for monies uh, which have disappeared into the great Real Madrid black hole in recent years and, and the royal patronage that went with it. So I, 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 don't, I, don't think it's, I honestly don't think it's going to happen. You've also got, Mark, I might like to think. Yeah, you've also got to factor in the financial fair play. The, a couple of big clubs, well, exactly, you know, Man City, yes. they've had the shot across the bows now, and other clubs will be, you know, okay. Well, Red Star Belgrade have been banned. Is it Red Star? Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, if, if you you just toss up the transfer, the incoming transfers that they've done over the last few years, and the wage bill, you, you've got to wonder how they, they, they can equate it now, right now, <laughs> to, to throw another 80 million or 90 million at a player again, another massive wage bill. You know, I, I just don't see how they how they could possibly I, do I it. I agree but. with you. I agree with you, Brian. And I think I think what what my original point was that he's such a good player for us. You know, in the in modern day, it's, it's the best player we've we've had. I mean, he's he surpassed Torres for me as well already. I, I think. But what going forward, Suarez is going to have a big big, you know, a big say in the future of Liverpool Football Club. Either way, either way, yeah. whether he stays or he goes, there's a big say because of the amount he brings in also. So, from a, from a signing point of view, for me, looking at it, I think Suarez is going to be one of the uh, historical signings for us that, you know, we'll look back on for a variety of reasons. It could go either way, you know, it could be because he bought uh, a, a lump of cash in and we, we rebuilt from there or he stayed and we won the league or the, the, the Champions League, whatever. But now that we're talking about sales, guys, and this wasn't on the agenda, but you've got me thinking. Let's talk about biggest boo-boos that we've made when we're selling. <laughs> and you've probably not thought about these, but I've got a couple. So, so Tony, we'll come to you Beardsley. first. Tony? Yeah, well, they probably sold Beardsley a bit too early. Well, one of the great things about the club over the years is that we didn't, we didn't sell people on. And the, the, you know, Clemens left too early. You know, There's not that uh, many, is there? There's no, not that no, many. Sooness and Keegan, but they wanted to go. We just couldn't keep them. Sooness was thirty, wasn't he? So I mean, it was, you know, he 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 was he was, you know, he he was not in, in his prime. Not many players have left us in the prime and gone on to thrive. You know, so I, I think we've done all right that way. I think we're one of those clubs, a bit like Real Madrid, a, a bit yeah, a bit like Real Madrid, a bit like AC Milan, and a bit like well, traditionally we have been, you know, and a bit like Bayern Munich. That if if you do a deal with them, count your fingers because they might well have sold your pup. 
and we sold a lot of people a lot of pups. Yeah, yes, I thought did. I thought I thought at the time when we sold him, Michael Owen. At the time when we sold Michael Owen, we were kind of like, "Oh my God, what have we done?" You know, because because nah. uh, it was no, because it was cheap, eight and a half for what Owen was at the time, and you know how he was playing and and what he'd done for England also and and for us. At the time, we did think, "Oh my God, he's he's done this one here. He's gone for cheap." But like Tony just said, not many players have left the, us the, the, and the then thrived. That- the one that upset me and still upsets me is Mark Manaman, and not because he went the blue nose get, but because we never got any money for him. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And he's he's one of the ones that did go on and actually do slightly better by you know uh, winning. Slightly. The well, yeah. <laughs> it was a fairly fairly short stay of better, but because um, that t- that team itself that he went to was, uh, spent most of its time fighting amongst itself. It was like watching Holland in a World Cup the way they they carried on. Yeah, he he went up, but he, he was a rare case. But he, that was his choice, and he deliberately ran down his contract, and we all know that. And Owen was doing much the same thing, which is why yeah. we didn't get much. <clears throat> but I always thought at the time, Owen, I, I thought with Owen, you fool, basically. You know, yeah, because you were one of the guys who, when when they, you were asked by the club, who should we get as our next manager? Who said Rafa Benitez? And then you didn't stand, hang around to give him a chance to show what he could do. Well, the, the thing is, he wouldn't listen to Rafa. He wouldn't listen to he anyone. Nope. He, yeah, he, nope. did, he, didn't, he didn't like the one-on-one advice yeah. that Rafa had stopped on training. Right, 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 right. He, he, he seemed to take exception from that. From what yeah. I've heard. He yeah. didn't like anyone telling him where to make his runs. and that. He's, no. you know, he's, He was I'm an England centre-forward. What are you telling me for? You know? Exactly. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, all he wanted to do was stand on the shoulder of the last defender and go when the ball come over the top. But you know what the problem is? That made Stephen sit too deep. Yes. And again, it's the Gary Lineker syndrome. I mean, what, what, I, you know, so, you know, again, going back to the past in the eighties, the Everton team in in, in eighty four, eighty five was fantastic. Their midfield was absolutely brilliant, and they yeah. all they all tucked in with goals. Lineker come in the next year, scored forty goals, but like that midfield had to sit too deep to give them the cushion, and they didn't give as many. And you know what? In Lineker's best ever year, what did he win? Nothing. We won the double. Yeah, exactly. Was, um, and and, and what, what he was, he, he was, you know, sort of along with Rush at that point, the most sought after forwards in Europe. But you know what? He made Everton worse. Absolutely. What you what you got there, though, is is a really important point that gets lost in a, a, all this transfer babble, which is that it's not the individual player that is the difference. I mean, how many times over the years we've we heard, oh, if we get this player, Paul Ince or Stan Collymore, they'll be the pe- final piece mm. in the jigsaw. It never works like that. What yeah. you've got is a team, a system, a way of thinking, a, a, a whole philosophy of how you play, and they have to work to that. If you start building your team entirely on the focus of one player, it's, mm. it's short-termism. It never really works for very long. You might get one or two good seasons, it's and like then you have to not- rebuild. Yeah. It's like Fellaini going to United last season. Uh, you know, even even those uneducated people, mm. football wise, looked at that and thought, "How is he going to fit into that Manchester United team?" Yeah. You know, how are they going to how are they going to change their system? Clear example. Yeah. Uh, same with Matter. To be honest, they thought with that system the way it is, he's not going to work there. No. Matter's not going to work anyway. <laughs> 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 like a square on my jacksie. You know I knew that. Looks, I knew that's why I set it up. He, he looks good on the ball, right? And you know it's always gets the ball comes one touch, two touch, three touch. The runners have gone. They have to pull up, and then he goes yes. square. 
And you know what? And everyone's drooling. They're all looking at him how brilliant he is. No, he's not. Get the ball forward. Yeah. You know, uh, it really frustrates me players like him because he's clearly got skill. You know, but he he, he doesn't use it for the team. Yeah. Well, well, this is it. category for me. Oh, Wilshire. Yeah, yeah. he, he always has to the run 10, of, 15 yards with the ball before he does want something. The number of blind alleys he runs into yeah. is fantastic. He just, he just can't keep the ball moving. He can't no, just he, get it and give, get it and give. He's got to, he, he's got to drop his shoulder. He's worse. Yeah. He's worse in some ways. I'd, 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 you know, because uh, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to, to, to uh, you know, an ex-player about him. He said, you know what he does when things are not going his way? He has to make a big effort to show that he's trying and he leaves yeah. his foot in the challenges which is dangerous for the, the, the opposition. But also, that's why he gets injured so often. That's right. That's absolutely right. It was a well, it was a mistake that uh, Stevie used to make early in his career. Mm. If it wasn't working, up the, up, up the effort, up the effort, and you know, go, go for balls you really have no right going for. And he would get clunked and clunked. He'd get sent off. He'd overstretch his groin. All the time, he had this constant groin niggle. And that's young players do that. But the thing is, Stevie was doing that when he was nineteen and twenty. Wilshire's not that age anymore. He's a, he's how old is he now? Twenty five, something like that. No, no, not young. But uh, he should have learned by now. But the thing, go, going back to, to Tony's favourite matter, is uh, the number of times I've heard people staring no, in to David Silver. Wilshire's twenty two, by the way. Wilshire's twenty two. Is he? Well, he's still not learning fast enough for me. But. Um, the number of times you hear Matter compared with David Silver. David Silver does exactly what Tony was saying you should do, which is he looks up, his head's up, where can I lay it off, and then I'll run. That's what mm. he does. Whereas, well, the, the, yeah. the, the Matter signing made no sense anyway. Just they had, they had Shinji Kagawa, they had Rooney, they had, you know, all these players were playing the 10 behind uh, Van Persie. And, and where does Matter want to play? He wants to play 10. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to play wide. And he's ended up playing wide, and, and then he's been dropped, and it just didn't make sense. Absolutely no. didn't make. You know, it's great. It's great well, though. Chelsea were laughing all the way to the bank on that one. <laughs> well, they're laughing already with David Luiz as well. What oh, the well, hell's going on? <laughs> oh. <coughs> oh, I don't know how they do it. These they, they, <laughs> they pull off some amazing deals, but I think they've had some stinkers though. To be fair, Shevchenko, Torres. So fair play, you know. They've they've got a it's got to balance out somewhere, but um, both bought by the owner. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, exactly. They do do a fair bit of that. So we've talked about the transfer window in terms of the good signings, the bad signings, the sales. A little bit of a different track then. The impact really of social media in the last few years. There's been this growth really. It's it's really been three four years I think that it's really gone crazy terms of this so-called insiders and it can get all nasty and stuff on twitter i mean what do you think i think part part of this for me part of it is it, it's in, an insufferable really just coming on twitter now in the in the off season or in the in the january window it, it really heightens you and i think you know what we're all culprits i think even us we it happened to us in um in the january window as soon as we didn't sign anybody we we had the next pod where we were so depressed, and I think we hadn't. We just about to start off the run, the eleven game run. We were just about to start it because I think we'd drawn to Villa and West Brom as well, and we were all like, "Oh man, are we going to get fourth and this?" And there was no defensive midfielder because we're hung up about that. And then you know, in the end, if you look back, what a load! You know, we were fucking stupid. <laughs> you know, but, mm, but, I don't know. I don't know. I know. I know. I, but, I, I, I don't know. If, if 
you know, the manager wanted a, a, a defender or two in the window, and the committee were looking at wingers, which was probably the last thing we needed. Had they bought judiciously, then, you know, it might have been just enough to get us over the hump. You know, we're talking about the old Liverpool teams, we're talking about John Walk. You know, yeah. buy, buy. Sometimes you've got to be cute. You've got to buy for what you need. You've got to buy for the moment. You've got to buy for now. And that's what Brendan Rodgers wants us. And that's what they didn't give him in January. And you, you know what? I, I think in retrospect, I mean, you know, all right, we've just come out of a season. We're still, you know, we finished second, which is more than any of us anticipated. And you've got to be, you've got to be pleased with that. You've got to be on a high. But oh, wonder, yeah. I wonder what, you know, sort of, as time, with time gets further <clears> away, we'll look on this as a massive miss, missed opportunity that could have been addressed if the level of expertise and the level of awareness and the level of football knowledge at the club would have been just a notch higher. And, and cooperation. Mm, yeah. Because yeah. there was a lack of that between various parties. That's an interesting yeah. side conversation. So what, for, going back to this, Tony, what do you think the impact of the social media and all this has been in the last few years? Is It's really heightened the... The the, the, the the tempers, I suppose, with, with so many people bullshitting. <laughs> Everybody, <laughs> so many people coming on line and saying, oh, yes, this person's having a medical. Like, I think this year's uh, Mkhitaryan is, is Moreno, isn't it? He's, he's, having a, he's having a medical every hour at the moment. Yeah, I think that's probably going to happen. But then again, I'll probably get slated the minute people hear this. You know, I mean, for me, social media was a ton. It's give... Uh, it's it, it give some people uh, a voice who, frankly, don't need to be heard. Yeah. For me personally, I've never been called names uh, so much, uh, you know, since since I went to Old Trafford in the eighties. Um, <laughs> you know, so that, 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 one of the things about social media, and, and which strikes me, is people are only happy when they hear what they want to hear. Yes. So if you tweet up. Yeah, Mkhitaryan's come and rejoice. Everyone loves you. If you tweet up, you know what? This isn't going to happen. Even even if you have a, a certain level of knowledge. I mean, you know, in the nose, you know, sort of a crap thing. But, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a football editor. Uh, I, I have working for me the best, the best, most knowledgeable Liverpool journalist in Tony Barrett, who spends every day at the ground and talks to people. And, you know, so he, he passes on information to me, you know, so, to, so you know, so sometimes you try and play down people's expectations. So, you know, now, you know, maybe, and, and they, when they don't want to hear it, they go mad, you know, and, you know, it's, uh, and, and, and that's what it's done. It seems to have brought out, and it, you know what, what the, the thing that bothers me, it's like football doesn't seem to be fun for a lot of people. Yes. You know what? It was the best laugh in the world when I was, I'm presuming, <clears throat> their age. And it's still the best laugh in the world now. And, like, mm. social media has proved that not everyone thinks it's a laugh. They think it's very serious business. And they're angry. They're angry. And they're going to tell you. And not only they are going to tell you that, they're going to tell you your mother's a whore. They wouldn't do it to your face, like. But, you know, it's, 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 that's, that's what it's done. And it's like, it's, it's mad. True. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, Brian, your thoughts on... On the effect of social media, I think you you you, you probably know had had a few words with people probably in the past. Yeah, mostly from the other end of these lines. All oh, right, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I seem to be like public enemy number one now and again. You only get what you know for some reason. There's obviously a small number who follow you, 
and then you say something and they retweet it and half of Manchester suddenly starts hailing abuse at you and you think, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what, you know, was I talking to you? You know what I mean? It's like saying something in a pub and someone from the other side of the pub coming over and just gagging in and I take an exception to what you say and you just say, just piss off with you, mate. But no, uh, social media is what it is. It's where we are. It's 2014. It's not going to change. People, you know, there's a certain generation... You know, and I wouldn't just level it age-wise. Generation that we live in, some of them are, some of them are, not, you know, as old as me. The phone-ins as well, you know, they're just the same. <laughs> you know, it's fucking ridiculous. I can't believe some of these. Like I watched England on Saturday night. Oh I was God! Driving home afterwards, and it was boring. You know, it was, it was boring. Oh, sorry, it was last Wednesday game, I think. The Ecuador, game, Ecuador, yeah. yeah. And I was driving home afterwards, and it was boring. It wasn't great, but it it wasn't fucking disastrous. And yeah, I was driving home, and every every call and the pundits on Five Live, you you, you would have thought the, the bloody sky had fallen in the way they were going on. You know, God, it's a it's a preparation friendly. Just you don't get over it. Uh, oh, and I, I, people just overreact all the time, and, yeah. and that's where we are now. They want everything, and they want it now. Can you I know, ask it, you two a question? Yeah. Because I, I don't know whether your experience is the same as mine. But, you know, when I started going to go on the match, you know, you still go on the match, you start at the home games, then you graduate to the away games on the specials, then you're on the ordinaries and all that. Like, But, you know, when I was, especially away games, when I to, when I, even when I was pretty young, you'd see all the owl fellas, you know, yeah. <laughs> my age now, like, you know, sort of 50. But, like, you'd always, you know, sort of, if you went regular enough, you'd get recognised. And then once you started letting on to them, start talking to them, the thing I'd always want to know, I'd want to know about the players that seen. You know, I'd be saying to them, did you see Vinny? You know, did you see Matthews? What was best like at his peak? You know, one of them. And uh, talk to them and that, like that. No one ever asked me about players I've seen, no young lads. They never no. ask me anymore. They tell me about players. They tell me how good Mkhitaryan is. They tell me how... And when I say, um, I haven't seen them, like, you know, it's a... They go, well, what do you mean you haven't seen them? And I say, well, because I haven't been in the grounds and all that. Like, But uh, but the thing is, all all that people do is they tell you. I think we, with the social media, one of the things about social media and the the availability of, you know, of, of television and, and seeing games, it's made people know-alls. I want yes. to expand my knowledge. But, like, these all want to tell me. And I'm like, you know, it's, without, without being too pompous about it, like, I'm like the football editor of the Times. I'm I'm 53 years old. I've seen a lot of football, and you're telling me how it works. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You're fair 19. Enough. You know. Yeah, fair enough. I think <laughs> I, th- I think when it comes to the transfer side of things, it does get a bit hey. I mean, the rest of it, social media is obviously why this podcast here and why I could do this so uh, there's no there's <laughs> no negativity yeah, well, I hate in terms you as well. of I hate you as well. <laughs> yeah. everyone you know what I'm going to do I'm working on it now in my laboratory in, in time I want to invent a cyber punch so, like, I go on Twitter and the fist comes out and whack bang take that <laughs> well beats the old swift kicking the bollocks that you get. it does <laughs> <laughs> alright okay then finally finally what do we need to do this summer then okay to be able to now this is this is a this is a this is this can go anywhere this one what do we re- need to do this summer in order to get a good run so that's to the last to the last date of the Champions League and a title challenge again so at least 
basically title challenge, I mean, go to the last month, you know, and we're still in it. What do we need to do? Where do we need to strengthen? What should be our targets? So, Brian? Right. <laughs> bearing, in mind, bearing in mind what Tony's just said, I fall strictly into that category. Half of, the, <laughs> half of these names that get bandied about, I wouldn't have a clue who or what they are. Like, you, you were mentioning... Talk positions and uh, talk positions, Brian. Yeah, if you don't know uh, players, uh, you could talk positions, no problem. I, I just think we need to... St- there's obviously not that much wrong with us in an attacking sense. You know, I mean, we, last season, you, could, you couldn't really find fault with, with us, you know, in the forward half of the pitch. Obviously, that left us a bit exposed. I know the defenders took a lot of stick, but it's a lot of that was down to the style of football we play. You know, if you're playing a style of football where both full-backs are high up the pitch at the same time, because a lot of teams... Yeah, you're going to give goals if, away. If, yeah. if one goes, the other one stays and tucks in, you know. But, you know, you, you only ask at us any time. You, you watch both full-backs can be 15, 20, 25 yards inside the other team's half. You're going to get caught on the break. We, we may need... We do need to strengthen the defence. I think Saka was all right, to be honest. I, I think off just yeah. Ilori, it, 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 by all accounts, done well over there. I would have Andre Wisdom back, and I would have him putting pressure on the right back place. Agreed, yeah. So, bottom line to me is 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 more of the same. We just want a bigger squad. We want cover. We were lucky. You you, you mentioned January transfer window, and it all turned out well. We didn't have any serious injuries in the second half of the season. We could it could have gone. We tits up if we had, had three or four injuries, you know, long term injuries straight yeah. after transfer. You know. As it happens, we were quite settled. We had a, a good pool of players to pick from. We we just you know, we're gonna have the added pressures of the Champions League, whatever else all the travelling. We need we need a bigger squad and I, I wouldn't change too much. I, I I would like to see, as you've touched on before, not playing buying players for buy and see, buying players to fit into a system with we you know, the the manager and I've got confidence that he will do this. The manager can actually see what he wants from play, what he wants, not just buying for buying's sake, because oh, he's become available. Other teams are going to buy him. We'll go and buy him. That's the, that's that's the bloody Chelsea way and the Tottenham way. But if, if Tottenham decides to get rid of a few, I'd have that Lamella fella. I think he is pretty good. But yeah, generally, I, I would just think we need to strengthen so we've got cover because you've got a lot of young players. Sterling, it's asking him to play fifty games a season next season. He's a strong lad, but. You know, on the he, back of a World Cup as well. Yeah, yeah. Then, as you as you say, Suarez and Co. and Gennard, he's got a World Cup, so he, he's going to need a rest sometimes. We just need m- more numbers to me. Yeah. Okay. Great stuff, Jan. Coming to you then. Brian, my script largely there. But, um, I've been saying the same thing. I mean, it's not about the names. It's about getting the right players for the right jobs and strengthening what we've got improving what we've got basically and both in terms of the system and the way we play which needs a few tweaks so we don't give quite away away quite as many goals we did but as Bryce says the way we play we're going to give more goals away say than Chelsea who who sit back and try and just counter-attack so that comes with the territory a bit but for me we need to we've we've already looked at the front end and getting Ricky Lambert in as a quality if somebody's injured or somebody's out or we needed to rest someone, brilliant. I think, I think he's, he's going to be the dog's parts at that. Uh, bringing in Emre Shan, I think he will learn very quickly. I mean, he, it's not like he was playing for mugs before we got him anyway. No, he's got, uh, he's got Champions League experience, which half, exactly. which half the squad haven't got. Exactly. So, so he, he's actually not that far away and they'll ease him in anyway. Now, he is, he's good because he can do the job if needed, of either Henderson or Gerrard. 
So that's fine. That's great. I would like us to get another somebody in the midfield to bolster that still further. Maybe somebody with a bit more creative punch. And I would like us to bolster the defence. Are you saying Mkhitaryan by the No, I'm certainly not. I, did, I actually wasn't that keen or unkeen on him. I knew a bit about him. Like everybody else, I didn't know quite as much as everybody seemed to think everybody did. I didn't think that he was, he was the answer to what we wanted, to be honest. He played in a slower league. He's got a good touch, but he gives it away a fair bit. So, so now, anyway, enough of him. With his crazy I, match. I, I, I won 2,000 words on him, where he'll fit in. <laughs> it's like you go write a blog, two thousand words, and tell me everything about. Him. I want to know his inside leg. Exactly. I want to know, you know. Uh... I could tell you more. I could tell you more about the fuck up that is his management team than I could about where his play. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, defensively, we could do with bringing in extra support to beef up what we've already got. But the thing is, we can't just add numbers. We need to add numbers with quality. Agreed. Uh, I, I know Brendan has said, and I thought this was pretty astute of him, that what we're after is maybe six or seven players, three of which could go straight into the first team any week. You know, it's basically first team or first team alternates, as I, I, I've labelled them Twitter-wise, so people understand what I'm talking about. And then three or four which really boost the squad. They don't just give you a body on the bench to use a Townsendism, I mean, his obsession with bodies their quality on the bench it ups your quality so you can bring them in and they will like we're playing in so many competitions next year they will get games so and they might come in and take a chance and basically make it difficult for somebody else to get back in great we could do that that old bit of competition but we need to up the numbers but only if it ups the quality and it enhances the sort of way we play already to make it a far more tightly knit machine so that there aren't mistakes and if we get something like uh, the way Chelsea parked the bus and other people have tried it since, we, they give us that extra option to say, well, we can try something different then. Or we can make plan A work, as Brendan put it, we can make plan A work better. So that for me, I don't care about names. Names don't interest me. I don't care if somebody thinks they're the dog's bollocks or if somebody thinks they're a pile of crap. If they come in and do the job, that's all that interests me. I mean, we've mentioned enough tonight, like Johnny Walk and Kevin McDonald, a personal favourite, who was voted uh, by the players to be the players' player of the year in 86. Players like that, they just, as Tony was saying, they just up you. They get you over that hump, that bump. And that's what we need now. We're in that position where we have a good team. And we just want to add that bit more. Yep. Um, Tony, your, your thoughts I, on what we need and... If you've got uh, anything you know, maybe, you know. <laughs> well, I'll I, I tell you what I do know. I know that we've got uh, a defender, uh, sorry, a goalkeeper and a platoon of centre-earths who don't talk, who don't organise, yes. and that's a worry. So one of the first things they need to do is bring in someone who's got some personality. And, you know, it, it's, if, if only Caro was a couple of years younger, we might have won the league. Because he'll, he'll talk, he'll bully, he'll cajole. We need someone like that. We need at least one centre-earth. We need a vocal and verbal centre-earth. We need him to be more physical. I, I like Lovren from Southampton, who we're, who we're interested in. I think he'd be a very good buy. I wonder whether he talks enough. I think we, we need another one in. And it disturbs me that the keeper is, um, is reluctant to dominate his area and yeah. reluctant to tell people. However, Grobbler was like that at first. 
and 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 he learns it. So you know, you, you encourage him to that. I I think I think we're looking at the wrong midfielder from Southampton, in my opinion. It's just an opinion. I'm a Schneiderlin fan. I think, I think um, we all are, mate. I think we all are. I think I, I think Schneiderland could uh, could make a bigger difference to the team that, um, uh, that, than than Lallana. Tony Barrett said a very astute thing to me. He said, "It seems to me that we're buying uh, Lallana for the team we are, not the team we should be, which is why you buy Schneiderland." It's, um, I think I think Cam coming in is very good. I think Moreno will sign, and I think that's good. And yeah. I still spend a lot of money so they're addressing problems everywhere I would say the big one for me is a, 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 lead, a leader at centre half um, they may well they may well look for another goalkeeper but I, I, I think you could probably get by with, with a Mignolet and if you had a dominant centre half I think I think from for the most part, it seems to me they're doing a reasonable job of strengthening, if overpaying slightly for uh, for for various players, if, if the numbers being bandied around are correct. But um, I I I feel pretty positive they're bringing the numbers and they're bringing the quality they need. And as I say, I just hope they get themselves a talker and a leader. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Tony. Uh, appreciate that. So that's pretty much where we're going to end it. But before we do, we've got a, a nice little plug for uh, Tony's new book, which is, I don't know what it is, but I love it. It's uh, Liverpool's unforgettable 1983-84 treble winning season. Tony, um, do you want to tell us a bit about the book and uh, give it a plug? And we'll, we'll obviously include the pugs when, uh, tomorrow as well on, on, on our various sources. Well, I think I think the main thing about the, the the main thing about that book. I mean, if you if you read it, it's all about leadership. It's all about Souness. It's all about Dalglish, and it's all about Hansen. It's the way they they led. You know, um, Craig Johnson said to me, he said, um, he said, you know, he said the Scots. He said, uh, he said, said they were vicious and got things done in the most direct manner. And you know, and and that's what you need in a football team. And I think I think the. The, the 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 two lessons of it. They were a group that perhaps weren't the most talented in Europe at the time, but you know what? To them, defeat was unthinkable, and they worked for each other. They you know sort of they, 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 the you know, sort of, and you know what? On occasions, but they got drunk with each other as well, and then and, and on occasions they fought with each other. Most famously in Tel Aviv a week before the European Cup final, right, yeah, where, yeah. where where where, where mm-hmm. there was a big map free for all. Um, Alan Kenzie got a black eye. Rush got a bloody nose, and um, you know so. And 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 and, and you know, they was, uh, lots of the players were very generous with the time, and you know, and talked about you know sort of their experiences and that. And so, no, it was a fun thing to do and a, a fun book to write, and um, and hopefully any reader will enjoy. Yeah, I think John, the host. I think the host John Rich has already told me that it's an absolutely fantastic book. So, uh, it, I'll be looking forward to having a look at that. I mean, uh, Brian and Jan, uh, Jan before we go, nineteen eighty three, nineteen eighty four. As we're talking about that season, and to give guys a bit of a, you know, a taster of what could be in that book and stuff, and we don't know the stories that uh, Tony's written yet, but you guys. Uh, I was only five years old at the time, so I won't have any memories of that because 86 was my first uh, Liverpool memory with the cup final. But you guys, can, what can you talk about 1983 84 to kind of set this up for, for anybody who wants to buy this book and have a read of it? It was an extraordinary season. It's very difficult to describe it. We'd, we, people were beginning to think that uh, maybe Clough and Nottingham Forest had 
entered the fray. Villa had won the European Cup a couple of years earlier, um, and maybe we were not quite at the peak of our game anymore. Boy, did we take teach them otherwise. Treble year, the first treble year, that other lot were not the only ones to do it, and it was a lot more difficult then because you had to be champions to be in it for a start. So, watching some of the best football and some of the hard work, I think, back to what Tony was saying, watching a team play for each other as a team was something else. I hadn't seen that for since Bob's first team, I think. That was the last time I saw that, you know, that real sort of togetherness. And the Scots' influence can't be understated. They were superb. I try not to step too much on the book here, to be honest, because... Uh, I don't want to want to tell any of the anecdotes that might be in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's fine. But it's funny because, of course, we we one thing about about the book we do know is that it comes from. Was it Chris Rea song? Wasn't it Toe? Chris Rea song. Yeah, I don't know where uh, it is, but I love it. Which they started singing in the tunnel before they came out. Now we out in the stadium had no idea they were doing this, but it, it certainly spooked um, the Roma players from uh, mm. all accounts. What then lifted the team as they came out? You know, having got themselves up is they come out and there's this this big bowl of red and white and it was basically a Roma home game and yet there was red and white everywhere and that just uh, that I think that again took something away from the Roma players as well as the confidence that the players had in themselves I'll, uh, but you, of course looking at these tiny little figures coming out the tunnel you, you didn't know any of this at the time this has all been learned since but what you did know was watching the fans around you and thinking, this is fantastic. This, no, this is where we like to be, and we're good at this. We're good at this, and that was wonderful. Fantastic, Brian. Your any 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 thoughts or memories from eighty three? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was David Hodgson who it, who, who brought in the. I don't know what it is. The Chris Rea song. Is he? It was him who kept playing it on his his ghetto blaster all the time. So the Craig Johnston yeah. claims it. But yeah, he does. Him, but, but Chris oh, Rea was a middle. Chris Rea. Um, was a middle uh, that, yeah. Yeah, David Hodgson was a Middlesbrough lad. Yeah, I always got told it was David Hodgson, yeah. Yeah, what, what do you call it there? Uh, yeah, Craig Johnston claims it because, um, and I suspect he had the worst taste in music, uh, whereas, <laughs> whereas David Hodgson had the worst taste in clothes. He was, oh, the, king the, he was the king of the leather kecks. He was the king of the leather kecks. Well, yeah, obviously everyone remembers the wobbly legs and whatever. I, I, I always think of that European Cup win, you know, one, one that belonged to, to, to the streets of Anfield because I grew up with Joe Fagan's two lads, Mike and Steve, you know, and, and it was obviously Kit and a few Roger and John. But you know, I grew up with Stephen, Stephen Mike for my age, and they, they lived at the bottom of our road, Linholm Road. Joe Fagan, you know, he, he never moved away. You know, he, he the house, apart from putting a little tiny porch on the front, the house was never extended, and it was just a basic semi-detached house. And you know, I, I was a cocky little bastard, me like you know, we used to go to the, up to the park, you know, the back of the cop there, opposite the Albert. He used to go there Saturday night and come back and, and Joe would be sitting there in the front room <laughs> and all the others would just sit off and have a bevy. I'd always I'd always make straight for Joe, Joe Fagan like, and, and tell him how, how football should be, you know, give him a, my tactical insights every week, you know. We used to have half an hour every uh, every now and again and uh, I know famous, the lads used to say, oh, my dad was telling me man again last night, that prime fella was talking the iron legs off me. And, and you know, you know, he brought the European go back to his house. You know, afterwards, before the uh, that's awesome. Now, so. That is awesome. Yeah, they so, used to his, his his missus used to watch the kit. You know, in the sixties when we used to go knocking in like mid sixties, mm. we'd go and knock for them after the game, like six o'clock, seven o'clock. You know, you open the front door 
and they did it being playing West Brom away or someone. And you don't the front door and they say, yeah, I stand in. And there was a big heap of steaming kits in the uh, in the hall, the bottom of the stairs, just all tipped out. Yeah, he used to take the kits on when he, when Joe was what we call the physio now, it was the training them days. The man running on with his little gola bag. <laughs> he used to take the kit, he used to be the kit man as well. And he's, his Mrs. Olive used to get paid a weekly sum to wash the kits. Wow. See, see, this, is, this, is, this is a funny thing, isn't it? Because this is that's a mark of the way society has changed as well. Because I mean, if, if, if I mention my own story like that, is I grew up with uh, one of my best mates when I was a kid was Ian Thompson, who was Tomo's brother, yeah. and so and one of my other mates who lived quite literally a few doors around the corner from me was Brian Mortimer, whose brother was Dennis Mortimer, yeah. Uh, yeah. captain of Aston Villa, and the thing was there was a time when. No, I, I remember. I, I honestly remember this uh, as as clear as day. When I was sitting uh, in Ian's place, you no, know, the Thompsons' place, uh, as it was on Stone A Road in Kirby, playing Sabutio with Ian after school one day, uh, eating his mum's lovely cheese and onion butties, and in comes Phil, funny enough, with his gola white gola bag with green lettering. Yeah. I remember it in his long coat. So, mum, mum, Mr. Shankly's picked me for the first team. And that was that was the start of Phil's story. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but the, the thing was, what what happened in things like that in those days was um, sometimes after school we'd go and play on the the field behind Phil's house. You no, know, Ian would say, "Come on, go and have a game footy." And so you know, because we all went to Brookfield School, even Phil went to Brookfield School, and we'd go on to St Joey's School, which is but between Phil's house and the the, the now infamous Falcon Pub. And we'd go there and play on the footy field, and it'd be me, Ian, Alan Pierce, and another of our mates, sometimes Dennis, uh, sorry, uh, Brian Mortimer would be along. But there'd also be Tomo, uh, sometimes Terry Mack would turn up, sometimes Michael Conte would come along, uh, John Conte's brother, who I also unfortunately knew at the time. John would sometimes be there. And it would be unthinkable that you'd get that kind of thing now. Now, I remember one time Sammy Lee turning up as well. Just yeah, for a kick it's, around. It's unheard of now. I think it's all too protected yeah. now. Well, that's, right. that's it now. I Every remember, footballer yeah. lives out in Cheshire or yeah, right. way up I in the... Mick Lyons, you remember Mick Lyons? Oh, yeah. He's turning up with Stanley Park on the big field behind the Anfield Road and like, yeah. just well, joining the game of you, footy. You could quite easily. <laughs> that was the way Liverpool was yeah. then. And it was probably the same in all cities, yeah. all big cities, where you had a local high-end team who had some of the lads who were local themselves, you know, some of the players were local themselves, is you could, we all grew up knowing these people. No, they weren't somebody distant and remote. They were the sort of people you saw on the bus or you went to school with. I mean, one of the lads, you know, I, I was desperate to be a footballer when I was younger. and the, the, I ended up um, being kicked out of it by having my knees popped oh, by a, a St. Kevin's lad called Tommy Caton, who, of course, went on to play oh, yeah, for Manchester yeah. City and Arsenal, whatever. Uh, never quite got on with Tommy, but uh, you know, we saw each other from time to time. And we played in a, a, a charity game together, which was rather fun. And uh, I scored a cracking goal, and he uh, said, but you couldn't do I that again. I did 10 minutes later. People, you know, footballers were not strangers then. Managers were not strangers then. I mean, you'd see people around. I, I was in Alderhay Hospital for a year as a kid. Well, I'll, I'll roll it back from before that. One day, my mum was taking me for, to buy a new duffel coat at TJ Users. And uh, just as I was about to go in the door, the door opened in front of me. You know those big old heavy doors at Bry? You'll know the ones I mean. With yeah. the big brass handles. Smacked me in the face, broke a tooth. The guy coming the other way was Ron Yates. Oh, God. 
<laughs> and you know, I had sort of blood on my lip and cut lip and whatever. Oh, terribly sorry, whatever. I, I didn't know Ron Yates actually knew my dad, but, of course, my dad had done these compares for awards at various factories and clubs around Liverpool, and Ron, Ron Yates and Ian St. John used to work as a pair to do all this kind of thing as uh, charity concerns with the club. We, we were even doing that kind of thing back then. I didn't know he knew him. Um, anyway, a bit later, I get, my, I get again, my leg injured when I was at school, and I end up um, in Alder Hay for the better part of a year while I try and fix it. Who comes round to see us? The Liverpool team with Bill Shankly. Who comes round to see me a little bit later? Bill Shankly again, but with Ian St. John and Ron Yates, whose first comment was, how's your tooth? So they remembered uh, you. You remembered could, you as well. How could you imagine that happening today? No, you, no, no chance. I mean, no oh, chance. oh, boys, still go into the hospital. They do still do great work. And Lucas Lever, for example, has been masterful doing the outreach programme from the players' point of view. They were just people you saw in those days. You'd see them around. I mean, I would see um, Dennis Mortimer, captain, captain at one point of England, as well as Aston Villa, talking with Phil Thompson. Both of these lads I knew, captain of England at one time and Liverpool, buying chips in Broad Lane Chippy in Kirby and sitting on the wall outside eating them. It's, with a can of Vimto. It's certainly unheard of now. You, you would get that now. It was a different world back then. It yeah. really was. I, I don't know. You know, I, I think it's slightly sad that that's disappeared. I understand why it has. Because footballers were drastically undersold back then. They provided a world of entertainment. They didn't get an awful lot for it, generally speaking. And so the commercial market has caught them up. And now they're, you know, the, the people say, well, you know, they're, they're paid like film stuff. Well, they're not quite. But then again, they earn more for their employers than film stars generally do as well. Year on year on year. They don't, you don't get too many of these big footballers who have a flop film. No, no. And I think we're going to have to cut this short here. I think a massive, massive thank you to... That's a love, some great stories there to end it. I think, I think but um, we'll save them for another day. Massive thank you to Tony Evans for, for guesting today. Uh, make sure you do check out his uh, new book. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is, but I love it. Uh, at, available at all good bookstores. And uh, and as always, a pleasure to speak to Brian Durant and Jan Gorski-Bashir. They'll be on, I'm sure, again very, very soon. Thank you, guys. Been a great, it's been great chatting about the old transfer window, the new transfer windows, and what might happen this summer. Let's hope it's a good one. Let's hope England do well. This, the, you know, because the next time we're on the Anfield Index podcast, we would have played Italy. So good luck, England. Also, and, is this uh, where I say Vive la France? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, you can, mate. Hey, you totally can. Talking about talking about transfers, could be worse. Could be Villa fans have just seen on here. <laughs> Joe Cole's going to Aston Villa. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> Seems to be the hot topic tonight. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Right, okay. Thank you very All much, right, guys. Cheers, guys. Chat to you, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. See you next week, guys. Cheers, Bye. Bye.